This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, February 8th, 2024 edition of Invest Talk. And it is Kobe Bryant Day. New statue up in LA. I'll be heading up there in a little bit. So, yeah, 2824. Pretty exciting. Uh, what? Before I do that, uh, I'm here with you, helping you become a better investor, answering your finance and investment questions, and giving you my unbiased perspective, developed over 20 plus years of investment experience. Now, we're going to run down the market performance as well as some show topics for today, which I have a lot to discuss. But as usual, we're going to hit our first caller question now. Hello, my name is Duncan Forbes. I'm calling about stock ticker HPE. Just interested in a dividend yielding stock. Looking at Fidelity.com metrics, it seems like that it is profitable. Around 10% ROE, around 3 to 4% ROI. Uh, looking to know what your thoughts are on this HPE Hewlett Packard Enterprise the dividend paying for my Roth IRA and my trading brokerage account. Thank you very much and have a great day. Bye. All right, looking at HPE, there are two different Hewlett Packards nowadays, HPQ and HPE. This is HPE, Hewlett Packard Enterprises, and it's an IT vendor that provides hardware and software to enterprises. And it is a good business. Not an amazing business, but a good business. Return equity, yeah, you said right around 10%. Return invested capital around 6%. And that is good, but not amazing. The solid business, but not amazing. Now, if you look at it based on free cash flow, for example, 1.6 billion trailing 12 months on a market cap of around 20 billion, hey, that's a fairly good free cash flow yield, about 8%. They have about nine or eight billion in, in net debt. So some debt on the balance sheet, nothing too crazy. I think their balance sheet is fairly solid. They stopped buying back shares in 2020 and they haven't really resumed that. So I don't like that. Uh, let's take a look at the chart real quick. You know, it's it's okay. It's kind of neutral. It's been really chopping sideways, sideways excuse me, for a while. And that's my issue. Is yeah, it's a dividend payer, but basically since 2017, this stock has gone sideways. And that's typical for a company that has decent return on equity, but nothing amazing. It's not earning above the cost of capital, it's kind of earning about its cost of capital. And that's why I give this one a shrug. Yeah, you're getting a dividend yield of 3.4%, but I think you can find better businesses with just as good of yield and balance sheet out there. And that's growing. Last quarter, revenue fell 7% and earnings fell 9%. And this year, earnings are expected to fall 10% from last year. 
So I am not a huge fan of this. It's not terrible, but I think there's better ways to go about it, finding good dividend yields. We have a lot of ground to cover in the next 40 minutes or so, in time permitting. We're going to touch on all of them. Our main focus point is assessing and quantifying AI risk, and we're going to talk about that space and how companies are thinking about how AI will, will impact their businesses overall, and what are the artificial intelligence risks to society. And are companies identifying identifying the right risks around AI? And do they have a risk management framework? So we're going to look at that. We also have other topics. One is in regards to rents. Rents are falling, but only in some parts of the country and only in some sub-segments of the rental market. So we're going to talk about that. Also, a survey of Americans and retirees and pre-retirees about income in retirement. And this is really interesting because it talks a lot about those that work with an advisor and have a financial plan versus those that don't. The amount of income they tend to have versus those that don't. So we're going to look at that data. And then lastly, if we have time, there's a potential large shift taking place in the North American oil markets. And it is in regards to Canadian oil. Nobody, Not a lot of people think about Canada when it comes to oil production. But they're a huge producer. In fact, they're the fourth largest producer of oil in the world. And up until uh, right about now, they're still working on the final stages, but up until about now, they had little choice but to sell their oil into the U.S. market, which depressed U.S. oil prices. But now they're going to have some more options to export it globally. So we're going to look at that. We also have some voice bank questions. One is on covered calls and Intel. Now we're going into a short break on the other end. We'll talk about the market activity for today. And please remember, you can call anytime and leave your question on the Invest Talk voice bank. If you're listening via our live stream or on AM 1220 radio in the Silicon Valley area, you can call right now at 888-99-CHART. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Would this be an opportune time to get into annuities? Everyone's situation is different. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. And so are their questions. And I was just calling for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. You get your take on Chewy. Ticker symbol L-E-C-O. Just wanted to get your opinion on J.P. Morgan. Invest Talk hosts Justin Klein. You know, I'm okay paying... A fair price for a very good business. Steve Peasley. It's a very well-run company. And now Luke Guerrero. EBITDA growth is significantly higher than its competitors. Are ready to provide their unbiased answers. Each podcast is unique and you set the agenda. I will. Hey, hi, Steve. I'm 24-7, rain or shine, Talk is made better by the power of you. Call 888-99-CHART.
Everybody wants a secure financial future. That means you'll have finance and investment questions. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's take a look at the market for today. It was a bit mixed, but positive overall. Small caps did the best, up 1.21% on the day. The broad market only up about 0.18%. As we just power through, really, earnings season. And we've had some good earnings, uh, some not so good. PayPal down 11% today. Disney up 11%. New York City Bank shares, those are down another 6% today. AT&T down 3%. So certainly a mixed bag overall. So we had some big movers, including a lot of the uh, the Bitcoin plays. Bitcoin was up, uh, I believe, overnight. And yeah, Zimmer Holdings, a shipping company, that was down 7%. So that was kind of the, the market today, a mixed bag. We still are heading into Option X next week, which... Uh, likely will mean positive markets uh, through uh, the the end of next week. And from a economic perspective, today was pretty good. You had the initial claims for unemployment that was at 218,000 down from 227,000 last week, but most importantly was the continuing claims. I talked about that. That was that had a big surge the previous week and came back down a little bit. Uh, so that was a bit of a positive overall. And yeah, so positive markets, my guess, uh, choppy to upside into the end of next week. Now let's go ahead and play another caller question. You know the number, it's 888-99-CHART. Hello, Invest Talk. Calling back again on a question for the covered call strategy. I am now on month two of selling uh, covered calls on SPY. First month went well. But now the second month, as I'm sure you've seen, the market's jumped up. And so uh, right now the option is in the money. You know, the option still has about a couple weeks left. If you're in the situation where the option is in the money, do you guys tend to you know, let the option run your expiration and get assigned out of those shares? Or do you just roll that into the next month? Or maybe if, you know, you see some strength still in the market, the next two months, you know, push it out a little further. And then if you have time for this too, um, with covered call strategies, does it make sense to have a few names, you know, that you would sell call options on so that when, you know, you see strength technically in one, you kind of shift towards maybe a couple other, you know, businesses that look like they'll be more flat in the near term, or do you just roll with it each month or, you know, every two months for the same company? I'll look on the podcast for the answer. And uh, thanks for all your guys' help. Thanks for the call. And you're you're dealing with something that if anybody runs a cover call strategy, you're going to have at times. And that is your position is above your strike price. And a lot of people think that's a bad thing. In reality, it's a good thing. Yeah, it limited your upside, but usually actually not that much if you consider the premium that you receive from that call option as well. Well, now what you do, and I talked about next week is option X, so that's probably when it expires, is you want to decide. Do you want to roll it out and flat, meaning same strike price, or out and up or out and down? Out and up, you would probably be bullish on the market, right? Uh, out and flat would be more neutral on the market. And out and down would obviously be bearish 
on the market. So it depends on your viewpoint of the market over the next 30, 60 days. And that's how far you probably want to roll it out, either 30 or 60 days out, not too far. Now, that's on the S&P in general. That, that's, that's also typically the, the same thinking when you are talking about individual stocks. And there's nothing wrong with adding that to your portfolio as well. Like you, you said, um, you, know, you, you really want to focus on the underlying companies. And you don't want stocks that are just flat. You want stocks that are going up. You want this problem. Your first question is a good problem. There's good problems and bad problems. Would you rather the stock go down? No. You want the stock to go up and threaten to almost call, have it called away from you. Because I usually, and that's what we do for our clients, is we sell out of the money, you know, 5 10% out of the money. And so if it comes in the money, it means you're up 5 to 10% on that name. So that's a good thing. So don't just uh, look for companies that are flat. You want companies that are generally in an uptrend. Hope that helped. Now, our main focus point concerns this topic, assessing and quantifying AI risk. And this is something that Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella talked about recently. And while he's very optimistic about AI and its ability to transform work and, and, and augment humans' amazing minds, he is worried about the larger, broader ramifications. But he does think that we can govern ourselves, and I agree. It's a, but but it's, it's difficult. These are new, and it's, it's hard to grasp the risks that are involved. And you almost have to be nimble and be ready to develop new sets of protocols on how to think about solutions to problems that these pieces of technology will create. Unfortunately, I don't know if we're quite ready to do that. Because you think of our previous big change in, in, in our technology was the smartphone and social media. And we're all addicted to our smartphones. We're all uh, unfortunately influenced by social media in many ways. And there hasn't been a good platform or structure framework to regulate both in a, in a, in a, in a way that will be comfortable for the broader population. And so I think that's the risk here is that AI will continue to develop and you'll have things like these deep fakes that can influence politics in many ways, creating major issues. And that's really the, the number one issue is, is uh, how will this impact our elections? It's very easy to create fake videos of your competing politician and make it look like that was real. In reality, you know, it was, it, was, it was fake, but it could damage the reputation of that particular politician. Same with generative art and uh, writing. You know, they're using past art an amalgamation of it all, but they're using that data and how do we manage uh, the patent and IP around that? I think is going to be probably one of the biggest challenges going forward. Now we're heading to a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Hey, 
Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. How they get there and when they get there, that depends on many variables. The more you learn about how the market works, the better your chances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, I was talking about how useful AI will be in the future uh, and is today. You know, there's already deep integrations in, in many platforms of AI. Just think of with Windows. They have integrated what they call Copilot, and that's really a call to users that this is not made to replace somebody, but to augment their work. Hence the name Copilot. But as we know with what happened with, uh, what was it, the deep fakes of naked pictures of Taylor Swift, um, and there's been others, you know, there, there's a lot of ways that this technology can be used in a negative way. And there needs to be cooperation uh, in, from the tech companies as well as government and law enforcement to crack down on malicious use of this technology. And they already do that in some ways. Malware, for example. Tech companies work closely with law enforcement to help crack down on those that execute the scams and cyber attacks. So there's a framework for this a little bit, but obviously it's a bit more complex than that because it's not, it cannot, it can be used not just for monetary gain, but also for political gain, for example, or to get back at somebody, right? Think of maybe an, an ex posting, using this tool to post a quote unquote, naked picture of an ex when in reality it's not really them, right? And posting that online. So things like that, that can be malicious. And uh, th I think that's where some of the risks around this really lie. And then who's going to be liable for it? You know, there are issues around young people being addicted to social media and, for example, Facebook knowing about that and not doing anything to kind of quell that addiction. And clearly that's something that hasn't really been adjudicated well. And, you know, are they liable or are they not? Same with these large language models using lots of data. And in that data are writings and artwork and just IP in general that is used in amalgamation to create the end output of these algorithms. And so do the makers of that original artwork receive anything? Are they allowed to use that data? And maybe there needs to be a system that flags things that are under copyright and those that aren't. And maybe AI can only use the non-copyrighted material to train their algorithms, for example. You know, just think of, uh, I think uh, AI made some Drake songs without Drake. It sounded a lot like Drake. So there's definitely some guardrails that need to be put up. Uh, I'm not confident that will happen anytime soon, 
But for the industry to flourish, there definitely will be at some point in the near future. Now let's keep things moving and for to pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 88899 chart. Hello, this is Mike from Detroit. First of all, I just wanted to uh, wish Steve a uh, speedy recovery. I hope he can join us back soon on the podcast. I wanted to pick your brain about Apple with the recent earnings call. I have a position that I started over a year ago. Thankfully, I picked it up and it was a lot lower. and I'm up significantly, but with this pullback, I was looking to add some shares. What did you think about their earnings call? Is this a good time to add to my position? Thank you. All right, looking at Apple, we've owned Apple for clients for a long time, so just a heads up there, but we frankly haven't been adding to it for a while to, to new clients, uh, mainly because we think it's about fairly valued here around in the 180 to 190 range, and it's been really chopping there since last summer. And the earnings announcement was, I think, fine. There's definitely some Chinese economic problems weighing on their results. And so near term, you know, we're waiting for maybe return to support around 170 to get in. That's where we'd find it to, to be a decent discount to its fair value to, to really be adding to it. Now I will say there are a couple of recent developments that makes me even more excited about Apple long-term. One is the Apple Vision Pro. Uh, I think it's expensive, but they're selling a lot and it looks very, very interesting. Uh, you could potentially replace your entire work desk and platform um, by, by just putting these goggles on and have multiple screens. And I think there's a lot that can be done with this. Uh, it needs to come down in price and it probably will over time, but I think that this has uh, this could be their next growth platform as a company. I'm really excited about that. And then in addition, AI. Apple is usually not the first to the game, but they're usually the best. Just think of Apple Vision Pro. You had, uh, was it Facebook's company? Um, forget it, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but you know they've been big in that uh, artificial reality, meta, et cetera. And this Apple product looks even better even though it's more expensive. And I think in the AI space, they can integrate that into Siri. That could really destroy a lot of other AI businesses. And I think that's exciting as well. Now we're heading into a break. I'm Justin Klein, ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. InvestTalk is here to help. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Now, the next Invest Talk, I'll look into the story. Considering the best type of stocks to buy in today's fully valued market, a strong case can be made that value stocks remain the most undervalued in that story tomorrow. But for now, let's take a live call from the Bay Area. Richard, looking at ADM Archer Daniels Midland. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Uh, I owned it in the past, um, and I have it on my watch list. And uh, it dropped significantly a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, 
on the news of uh, an SEC inquiry on their mm-hmm. accounting mm-hmm. Uh, principles, but I feel like the market overreacted. I feel like it's uh, at a good price here. Um, what do you think about it, and is it a good time to buy it, you think, from a macroeconomic standpoint, like from a cycle standpoint? Well, first off, I don't like the... I don't like companies that have accounting issues that tend when there's smoke, there's typically fire. The SEC is usually bad at protecting the average investor. And so when they're actually taking some action, there tends to be actually fire there. And I just have a habit of avoiding those type of companies. And if you look at earnings expectations for, the full year 2023 down 25%. Revenues last quarter down 12%. Same with earnings. And you still have fourth quarter to be announced. And that's not accounting for their accounting issues. So I would just look elsewhere. Uh, the technicals remain weak. You know, it, it, it dropped from the high 60s into the low 50s on this news. And it's basically been chopping sideways since. That is what we call bearish consolidation bears bearish action and you know they still have a decent amount of debt on their balance sheet about seven billion dollars and they need to carry that and if they have accounting issues that tends to be difficult to carry billions of dollars in debt when the market doesn't believe what you have to say and so i just don't see a great risk versus reward here could it be a good opportunity? Sure. But I'm not getting excited on it until I see some resolution to this in a positive manner. So I'm passing on ADM. Now let's talk a little bit about income in retirement and Social Security and a financial plan. Now, this is an interesting survey, and it was done by Schroeders, a London-based asset manager with about a trillion dollars under management. And what it showed was only 10% of Americans and 17% of those at or near retirement plan to wait until they are 70 to take out maximum Social Security benefits. That's crazy. Only 17%? And about 40% of non-retired respondents plan to take Social Security between the ages of 62 and 65. Even though 72% know that the longer they wait, the higher their payments will get. So it's not the fact that they don't know. It's the fact that they just don't seem to be planning very well. You know, we run financial plans for clients and it's almost always the case. Now we're, we're a bit different, right? Because we have clients, they have a good amount of money saved away if they're clients of ours. And so they have the ability to live off that money while in retirement, early years of retirement and wait at least till 67 full retirement age and ideally up to 70 and get that maximum social security benefit. So granted, we're dealing with a little bit different person than the average. But still, retirees who work with a financial advisor 
have a monthly income of $5,075. And those that have a formal financial plan that have actually planned this out have a monthly income of $5,810. Those without a plan that don't work with an advisor, only $3,000 a month on average. And 44% were concerned that they that Social Security would run out of money. So in many ways, it's a crisis of confidence in the Social Security system, saying that I want to get the money now before the money runs out. And that's just really a lack of understanding of the system. The Social Security system can continue to keep going, either A, by minor reforms to the tax part, as well as the benefit part, means testing, uh, raising the limit on Social Security taxes that people pay, uh, obviously raising the retirement age. There are a lot of things that can be done to fix this. But most people don't know that. They just think it's a huge problem. And it is a problem, but it's not a huge problem, especially if you consider how much money we spend on other things the government's always going to kind of bail out that system. Now, this survey found that nearly 70% of Americans at or near retirement had less than $250,000 in savings. Yet most of them thought they were going to live off this money. And the majority of respondents were concerned about retirement in 23 found the topic of retirement terrifying. So a lot of this is a planning issue. Consistently saving and having a real plan and doing not doing that at once you hit 55, doing that early in your 40s and even likely 30s, maybe even 20s. Now there's always other risk other factors to consider when you're thinking about social security like your risk tolerance level, your overall health issues, the amount of money you do have to potentially live off of, life expectancy, etc. But it's clear that the reason people have trouble understanding the best way to manage their money in retirement and plan out their income sources is because they just don't have a plan. So I encourage everyone, get a plan. Whether you do it yourself or you hire an advisor, whatever it is, make sure you have a plan. Now let's squeeze in another caller question from the Invest Talk Voice Bank. It never closes. Leave your question anytime at 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is uh, Daniel from Houston calling. I hope everybody's well on the show. I'm calling in regards to two stocks, Air Products, APD and Lindy, L-I-N. Just wanted your thoughts on which one was better. Thanks so much. Bye. Are you looking at APD Air Products Chemicals? And that just had a rough earnings report. Revenues down 6%, earnings down 3%. And it was trading at a bit of a premium to the overall market. So there's a bit of price discovery happening here where the valuations are are coming in. And that is natural when the market gives a company a premium and then they don't meet expectations. Now, they are in the industrial gas business and so is Lindy which is a UK company, and they manufacture atmospheric gases, process gases, and industrial gas production equipment. And they had much better earnings. 
revenue up 5%, earnings up 14%. Clearly, their business is a bit better, but it's trading also at a premium. So it just depends on, you know, do you think that Lindy is immune to the problems that APD had? And that's what I would be worried about, is that typically these industries, they kind of go together. If one has an issue, the other has similar issues. And I'd have to, I don't remember off the top of my head exactly what APD's air products and chemicals issue was. Oh, yes. Slowdown in China and lower helium volumes. That's what it is. I'm just looking at a report here real quick. Uh, is Lindy ex- immune from that? Usually, no. I'd have to look at what their uh, revenue looks like. Um, but That'd be the only reason I would pick Lindy is that if they didn't have any exposure to China, I'd have to bring up some other systems that give me more more detail. Uh, But I would look into that. Both are good businesses historically. It's just finding the right price. And APD is in a price discovery mode at the moment, whereas Lindy, that one is trading at quite the premium and you have to be comfortable with that premium. But both are good businesses. Now we're moving to a quick break. But before I do, I want to remind you that if you need help understanding your risk level you're taking in your portfolio, you need help building a financial plan, you have a a trust that you need uh, reviewing, whatever is money-related, planning-related, we do it all over at our company, KPP Financial, where we practice parallel investing, which means you invest right alongside our clients, and we help our clients create that plan for the future. So if you want to do a free portfolio reassessment via telephone or go to meeting, just send us a message through investtalk.com. This is Invest Talk. Our work continues, so hang on. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Calling for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. Everyone's situation is different. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan. And so are their questions. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. Each podcast is unique and you set the agenda. I'm wondering if now. 24 7, rain or shine, Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. 888 99Chart. Hi, this is Dan from New York. First, I'd like to convey that we are all praying for Steve, and it has been a proven fact that those who are prayed for recover quicker than those that are not. I've walked that path, and he is in my prayers. I do have a question for Justin and Lou, and that pertains to ETFs. I have about 50% of my portfolio in value ETFs, and the other 50% in growth. My question is, with the value section of my portfolio, my patience is kind of growing thin. I've had, for example, VBR and VOE, which is respectively a small cap value and a mid cap value. And when I compare the year to date to year or five year results, comparatively speaking to such as the S&P 500 VOO or a growth fund, VUG, they are nowhere near the growth that I would have received if I had more of my portfolio in the latter part. So am I over-invested, my question is, in value? Should I maybe move 10%, 5% more in growth 
or should I stay the course? Thank you. I'll listen to your answer on the podcast. And I met with Steve in Manhattan. He is truly a gem. And I'm just thinking about him. And I've walked this path so I understand the journey that he's going through. God bless you all. Thank you. Well, thank you for your prayers for Steve. Thank you for to all of you out there. And uh, yeah, we're, we're all keeping him uh, in our prayers. Uh, now, when it comes to this value versus growth thing, uh, I'm getting this question a lot. And it shows me that the sentiment is getting a bit extreme. Uh, and, you know, 2022 was a, a very shocking year uh, for the growth side of the market. It was a year of change with interest rates skyrocketing and NASDAQ was down 33% and value for the first time in a long while drastically outperformed. But 2023 for pretty much the hot tire until about mid October, there was a snapback rally growth outperformed. But in general, if you take the two years together, about even. And this is something you really have to understand is that these trends that in our mind uh, started to emerge in 2022 of higher cost of capital, higher interest rates, higher inflation, that is likely to, in our minds, based on our research, based on the longer term trends that we still see in place, that that environment is still here. But that doesn't mean that that value is going to outperform every quarter or even every year. You even go back to post-financial crisis, it's called 2008 until 2021, there were years and periods where value outperformed, even though over that long period, growth outperformed. So even though we're in a, in our minds, a different market doesn't mean that you can't have outperformance and growth over short periods of time. And, and guess what? A year is a short period of time in markets. Just is. Now, if you believe that we're not, that the trends of pre-COVID are still here, and that we're trending all the way back to that type of environment of zero cost of capital, stronger dollar, weaker economic growth, nominally. If you think that's what we're returning to, then growth will continue to outperform. So you have to ask yourself, don't do it based on, oh, what happened last year, because once again, it's one year. So I'm getting this sentiment a lot here um, as of late because uh, you're getting really a strong surge in, in, in the growth side of the market. A lot of that has to do uh, with the structure of the market at this point um, and the option uh, markets as of late, uh, Q1 Option X that we just uh, finished with. So I wouldn't do that at this time. I think uh, a balance... Uh, still makes sense and leaning on the value side of the market actually I think makes more sense right 
This is Invest Talk. We're heading to our final break. Let's get your questions in now at 888 chart In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, you've come to the right place. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. We'll talk to Bill in Northern California looking at EQNR Equinor. Yeah, hi, Justin. Um, and shout out to Steve if he's listening. I hope he's having a good day, and you too. And thank you, uh, thank you. About, about Equinor, um, you know, I, I have this, and I've had it for a while. Actually, I sold some when we went off the farm and bought some back. But um, And bought some recently. I just wonder how you look at it. I, to me, I have it for the dividends. And if, you know, if it gets starts going up too high, then I'll sell a, a portion, percentage of my shares. Um, so I'm, I'm doing okay right now. I, I think almost all my shares are below 30. I just, how do you see it in perspective? I have a long-term, hopefully capital gains in over a decade, but in the near term for a few years, it's basically a dividend holding for me. Well, I, I don't love the, the technicals. They're, they're pretty poor actually. Uh, so I would, frankly, not get too excited. It is, it is a bit undervalued. Uh, it's going to be more volatile than the average because this is, uh, as you probably well know, it's Norwegian oil and gas company. So they're going to be at the whims of the European market and whether or not Brent crude is expensive or not. And if you have increasing geopolitical tensions in, say, Russia and Ukraine, for example, then... Uh, yeah, this will spike up as it did in early 2022. So, you know, it's it's on the cheap side, but the relative performance is terrible, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Soon, um, if you want to play the range and and a potential for the next geopolitical problem, which probably will happen in the next two three years, you know, and that's probably something you want to sell into, and that's probably the the lesson you have here is that when those things happen. And you hold those type of names, sell into them as opposed to buy buy into them, right? Um, so that that's the way I would think about it. If you think you're going to get great returns in the near term, probably not unless there's some geopolitical event. Just dividends, pretty much. That's the way I look at it. As long if they could stay above five percent dividend yield, I'm happy with that going forward. Uh, well, I see a dividend yield of 3.7, so I'm not sure what Well, that's that's, that's their base yield. They have a base yield, and they have an extraordinary yield. For I the see. last two years, they pay both, and the Got extraordinary it. yield was like double the, the base yield, so it's actually like 10 or 12% what it was last year, so that's a lot better than 3 or 4%. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and, and obviously prices are down, so and profits are down as well. They've earned $7.13 in 2022, $3.45 This year, they're only supposed to earn $3.35, down 3%. So, you know, much better than pre-pandemic levels of $1.48 in 2019. So things are still relatively looking much better than, than those those times. But, uh, yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't expect that extraordinary dividend to be quite as big this year. Yeah, I hear you. Well, thank you very much. No problem. Now let's talk about rents and the fact that landlords are slashing rents, especially in the high end and in hot areas like Austin, Texas, 
uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Salt Lake City, Phoenix. These are all areas where apartment completions expected this year as a percentage of the existing inventory is over 7%. In Austin, it's not nearly 9%. And these are mainly in the luxury markets. So while overall U.S. rents grew 0.3% last year, that was the slowest since 2010, the high end, you're already starting to see declines in rents. And rents are still running some 20% higher than they were in pre-pandemic in 2020. So they're still elevated, but you're starting to see that reversion to the mean because of massive amounts of investment in multifamily housing and in, in, in these in these markets. They saw the trends in migration and these builders went in there and they built, build, build. And they were mainly focused on the luxury markets. And so while you're not likely to see much rent deflation in the middle and low end of the rental market, you are starting to see the high end come down in a big, big way. Uh, and you have to keep an eye on this, especially if you're trying to buy REITs, for example, in the multifamily market. Are they focused on the high end, the middle or the low end? If the folks on the high end, their recent earnings are likely to come down and you need to adjust for that. So uh, there's always the effects that you don't think about, um, but these new supply of uh, apartments are going to have a big effect over the next two, three years on rents on the high end. No, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. We thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads that you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking shows success. It's Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights.